We thank you for taking the time to listen to this teaching from Metro Church. We hope this inspiring message will empower and enrich your life. Amen. We are going to continue a series on lessons from King Solomon. Lessons from King Solomon. You know, uh, just a, a quick background. I, I always try and give a little quick background. King Solomon, he was actually the son of King David. King David was the David who killed Goliath. He was the first king that God chose for Israel. Saul was chose by the people. God anointed David. David has a son, and now David passes and gives the kingdom to his son Solomon. Solomon, was any 15-year-olds in the room? Raise your hands. There's not one 15-year-old in the room. They're all like... <laughs> so at 15, year old, at 15 years old, Solomon became king. I don't know if you're ready to rule a kingdom. You've got to clean your room first. But, but <laughs> what I will tell you is this, right? King Solomon did not know how to even begin. And so he asked God. God said, hey, you're king of my people. What can I do? Name it. Blank check. Remember this? I, I preached this message actually in Richmond last weekend. Prayers to move heaven. But what I, what I will say is he chose a prayer that wasn't about just him. It was about everyone. He didn't pray just a me prayer. He prayed a we prayer. He prayed, God, give me wisdom and discernment how to judge these people and be, be the leader you've called me to be. The Bible says that God was pleased with his request. Do you know what that means? It means that maybe there are times that our prayers God's not pleased with. Because there are times he is pleased with the request. And so I started to think, what, what, what if we learned from smart people? What if we decided to lean in on King Solomon, who was given more wisdom than anyone else, as the scripture says? What if we opened up his Proverbs, because he's ascribed and credited to write the Proverbs? What if we dug into that and learned lessons for our life? Because I've never met somebody that didn't want to level up. Anybody in here excited about bigger and better for your future? Anyone in here excited about God doing something new for you? Well, here's the thing. I mean, you should get excited like, yep, this is not where I'm going to stay. This is just where I'm at right now. But we're moving. We're going to keep moving forward. And so what I've come to realize is everyone wants growth, but they want it quick. We want it. We want it now. Are you hearing this? We want to level up quicker, and we're even willing to pay for it. You know, people, they get trainers, they get tutors, they get life coaches. And the reality is every one of those teachers help them understand something. You know what the reality is? There's no shortcut to success. Okay, wait a minute. But success is still something we can grasp. It's just not something that's going to happen overnight the way we would like it to happen. Are you getting this? Okay, don't fall asleep on me. I give you permission to slap your neighbor if they fall asleep. Or give them a holy kiss. No, let's not do the holy kiss. That's weird. <laughs> Someone's like, that's weird. Is that in the Bible? All right. So all I know is that when it comes to success, it's, there's no, no shortcut to godly principles in success either. It's sowing and reaping. We all want to level up with our wisdom and with our faith. But if we don't get it from our head to our hearts... We will never see progress in our Christian walk. So let's continue to dig into the Proverbs and glean from the words that God wrote through King Solomon, right? We're about to read the word of God. In this church, we're, we're crazy. Are you ready for this? In this church, we actually believe the Bible. Like we actually believe God was behind the words, not just man. And I know that that is like, you know, something that many don't necessarily think these days. 
But can I tell you something? I told you this before, and I'll tell you again. If I pick up a pen and I begin to write with the pen, who's writing, me or the pen? Well, some people that are very wise would say, well, technically, the pen has the ink. All right. I'm writing, and the pen is an instrument. When I open the Word of God, and I'm reading someone that uh, uh, God used a man to write, man was the instrument, but God was writing. Do you understand what I'm saying? So we approach the scripture not to determine whether the scripture is accurate. It came from God. We approach the scripture to determine whether my thoughts towards it are accurate. And if they're not, then I must realign spiritually with what God's word says. Okay? And so that's what this church believes anyway. And the early church and every church God's called. So but we're going to start in Proverbs 3, okay? So follow along with me. Blessed are those who find what? Oh, you can do better than that, church. Blessed are those who find those who gain understanding. For she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are what? Peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold her fast will be what? Will be what? Hmm. We all want that blessed life, don't we? We're all hashtag blessed life. We all want that blessed life. We want the sticker on our car. We want the little coffee mug. We want to, you know, what do you call that? Dirty bun, fun, dirty hair, don't care. Mom's out there. You throw your hair up in a bun. (laughs) And you have your little cool cup that says blessed life. And you're like, that's what I'm talking about. You do your little selfies and you do all the other little stuff. We all want the blessed life. But it's achievable when we dig into the scriptures because it says what? It says blessed are those who find wisdom. So I'm going to lead right into number one before these young people fall asleep on me. Number one, godly wisdom is available to all. You know, some people, they have this thought that in order, in order to receive God's blessing, it's like hitting the lottery. Like, I just have to be in the right place at the right time, and I have to say the right prayer exactly in the moment, and then like lightning strikes in a good way, not a bad way. Um, Then I'll be blessed, and that's how I have the ability to receive. But actually, that's not what the scripture says. The scripture actually talks about principles, and it talks about sowing, and then it talks about reaping. So what the scripture tells me is it says in verse 13, blessed are those who what? Find wisdom. So it's out there. Wisdom's out there. Blessed are those who find wisdom. What that means is you can find it. If you're willing to seek, if you're willing to to knock, if you're willing to open the word of God, if you're willing to go after it, you can also receive wisdom, which wisdom does what? It brings blessing. Remember? Hashtag blessed life. It's achievable. It's available to all. But where do we find godly wisdom? We don't find it in the news. Not with trends or culture. Not with the deconstructionist movement. Can I tell you the only people deconstructing scripture are the ones that didn't like that scripture and that's why they're deconstructing it. You ever notice that? deconstructionists, the people that try and say, well, that's actually, when we cross-reference that, that is not the identical format of what Paul wrote. Well, actually, because Paul was making a jest and a jab, and that's why it sounded different, because he was making the obvious that that's not what should be done. 
But because that is stepping on certain toes, certain movements toes, now they want to deconstruct scripture. Just preaching the word. Blessed are those who find wisdom. We're not going to find it in deconstructionist movements or even just in random education systems. We're going to find it where? In the word of God. We're going to find it preached in a healthy church of God. We're going to find it shining through the examples of those who are laying down their life and picking up their cross daily to live like Jesus. Are you getting this? So Proverbs 3.13, blessed are those who find wisdom. And, and for those who find it, they are what? Hashtag. Hashtag blessed life. Number two, godly wisdom attracts blessings. It attracts blessing. Look what it says, Proverbs 3.14. For she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than goals. We're talking now about attracting. We're talking about seeing, uh, you know, a multiplication. We're talking about seeing uh, this, this, um, this way to utilize wisdom that brings blessing. Right? And it goes on to say this. It's better returns than gold. She's more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with wisdom. So what am I trying to say? It says to me, wisdom yields better returns than gold and that wisdom increases our ability to prosper. Last time I checked, people love the idea of prospering. They love the idea of leveling up. They love the idea of the blessed life. But they're not digging into the word of God that attracts blessing. They're looking for a quick fix. They're looking for a shortcut. And so I just want to kind of challenge you young people. As you go to camp this week, are you going to be just looking for God to just fix you or for God to change something in you so that you can live a life blessed and moving forward? Oftentimes we, we, we hyper-focus on a problem. And even if the problem was resolved, the problem would still come back because it's still something wrong in us. What we need to do is get to the root of it and say, God, change me. And how do we do that? Understanding God's wisdom, applying it, and living by it. Nudge your neighbor and say, that was good. So number three, godly wisdom preserves and prolongs life. I've never met somebody that said, I can't wait to die soon. The scripture says long life is in wisdom's right hand. And in her left hand are riches and honor. You know, I think we immediately go to riches because that's just the nature of humanity. But I also look at it and go, what's the benefit of a long life if we don't have a richness of our life? A richness to our life. I see a lot of people, uh, a lot of stressed out people. You hear a lot of stories of millionaires taking their life. Why? There was no richness to their life even though they were rich. There are a lot of people that have chosen to live within their means and there's a lot of richness in their life but they don't have all of the riches the world chases. We've got to understand that I, I pray this prayer. And anyone you love, you should be praying this prayer too. I don't just pray long life for my family. I pray health and long life. We've got to understand there's got to be a quality to it. And there want, I want there to be a richness to it. But I know that as I continue to activate God's wisdom in my life, it preserves and prolongs my life. Look at Proverbs 4, 6. Do not forsake her, talking about wisdom, and wisdom will preserve you. Love her and she will keep you. 
Look at Proverbs 3, 1 and 2. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. For they will what? You guys are going downhill. They will what? Prolong your life many years. What will prolong your life? God's commands. Yes, his wisdom. Okay. But I want to look at the text and dig a little further here. God's words are pretty specific. When reading the scripture, we need to dig into the verses. First of all, does anyone in here love wings? Like you go and you look for wings. Matt, you are the wing master. Um, I actually, when I go have wings, I try and go have them with Matt. Matt, he understands what I'm about to say here. But there's a, there's a point here. I was talking with a guy named Richard. I don't know if Richard's in here. I love Richard. But anyway, he and I were talking about the differences of people that eat wings. Okay, some people will take a wing and they will just rotate. They'll eat right through the middle and then they throw it off onto the side because they got what they thought was the best and they're not worried about anything else left on the bone. Okay? There's some people, the wing is not done until the bones have been separated and every piece is off of it and now they're just leaving nothing left. See, when we dig into scripture, sometimes there are those that just eat the stuff that they want and they leave the rest on the bone. For us that are trying to extract everything we can from the scripture, we go back and look at the words. We go back and examine what it's trying to say, and we get all the meat off the bone. Now stop thinking about lunch and come back to me. (laughs) Right? Look what the scripture says. It says this, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your hearts. So where is wisdom supposed to reside? In your heart, not your... There's a big difference there. Have you ever met somebody that has tons of head knowledge, but they're not always with you? It's like, this person is unbelievably smart, but I need you to be with me right now. There's a difference between head knowledge and heart knowledge. Okay? Number four, godly wisdom must be rooted in the hearts. Too many have a head knowledge of God, but not a heart knowledge. They're trying to memorize scripture or paraphrase it in their head to win an argument on social media rather than keeping or rooting it in their heart to transform their life. When you go to Summerfest this week, it should be about a transformation. It should be about God rearranging the spaces in your hearts. It should be about allowing him to move. When we get into the word every week, it's God, I realize I need more of you. Less of me, more of you. Less of me, more of you. So then what I've got to do is I got to understand that what I'm, what I'm reading has to make its way from here to here. Right? Because if it's just up here, then it's still conversation and somebody can still change my opinion on what God's word says. If a conversation with somebody changes the word of God in your life, it was never in your heart. It was only in your head. So let's also consider what it means to keep God's commands in our heart. We obviously don't literally soak in scripture through the organ of our heart. I don't know how many of you young people are just sitting there watching TV with the Bible on your chest like, just going to be so spiritual, just letting it marinate, just letting it soak in. No. Obviously, that's not what it is. We, We read a scripture like those referring to keeping something in our heart or guarding our heart, we understand that our heart represents the main source or core of our life. When we keep something in our heart, we allow it to consume us. 
We allow it to overtake us. We allow it to become the main thing in our world. You know, when I got married, my wife became the core of my life. God and my wife. Happy life. Okay? The point is, it's not like it was, she's just on the side of my life, and it's just kind of, I work around. No, no, no. It becomes the core. That's why we say, I give you my heart, right? There's a concept of giving you my main source of life. And so when we read these scriptures, we're understanding, God is saying, you know, when I say keep it in your heart, I don't mean just kind of go, yeah, that was nice. I mean, let it rearrange the way you live. Let it be the source of your life. That's why the Proverbs also talks to us about guarding our heart. Like in Proverbs 4.23, it says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. What's it saying? It's the main source of your life. What's in your heart is going to multiply. What's in your heart is going to leak. It's going to change your life for the better or for the worse. Amazing man of God named Derek Prince said this, You cannot have the wrong thing in your heart and live right. And you cannot have the right thing in your hearts and live wrong. We've got to, you've got to protect the well, the wellspring. The Bible talks about your heart as a wellspring of life. If that wellspring goes toxic, every area of your life will be toxic. Are you getting this, church? So what's in your heart will ultimately determine the course of your life. So let me, uh, you know, I'm going to switch to a different translation here, and I'm going to read a little bit more context of the Proverbs 4 that you just heard. Follow this with me. We're going to break it down real quick with the, the remainder of the time we have. It says, My son, give attention to my words and incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. All right, so, all right, all right, I get it, Pastor Chad. I need wisdom. Okay, I need God's wisdom. I know I need to get God's wisdom, not, not just in my head, but in my heart. Okay, I need to grow uh, my understanding. I need to grow my faith. But how do I do that? Well, with three easy payments. No, I'm just kidding. Look at, this is how we do that. How do we do that? We understand in the education field that there are two ways that people learn most, okay? It's the two most accessible ways to teach somebody. One is through, uh, you know, if, if you see it as like a gate that opens up and receives, uh, then one is through the eye gate, what they see, and one is through the ear gate, what they hear. And so how many people you would say, I'm definitely a better visual learner than I am, in, uh, you know, an audio learner. If you can show it to me and I can watch you do it, I can probably have a better shot at getting it done. That's what I call the YouTube confident person. They will Google YouTube to figure out how to recock their bathtub and they will figure it out. No matter how many times they got to try. Just did it this week. One time, one time. Okay, so check it out. But there are other people that are like, you know what? I just need to be able to shut down. I just need to listen. I need to focus and I need to, okay, I, th I got it. I got it. So there are two ways. There's the eye gate and the, okay, some of you are still with me. But look what the scripture says. It says, my son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear gate to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eye gate. Keep them in the midst of your heart. You know, the, um, when it comes to other cultures, when it comes to schools, I know that um, one of the schools, intermediate, middle school, 
in Africa, you'd go and the, the, the Bible would be opened or the school book or the textbook or whatever it is. And it was something that they would go, they would come and they'd open the book and they would bow their head. What they're saying to the teacher is, I'm ready to learn. That's what inclining your ear is. But here's the difference. When you incline your ear, now what you're saying is you're the teacher and I'm the pupil. I'm humbling myself before your word, God. So when he says incline your ear, it's not just listen up. It's have a humility and a teachability about you if you're going to be able to fully grasp this. When I approach the scripture, I don't approach it like I know everything. I approach it to the one who knows all things and know that I don't know all things, so I come with a humble heart and say, teach me, because this world is making it difficult to see. And so what do we do? We incline our ear, but also we don't let it depart from our eyes, it says in verse 21. So what does that mean? I don't know if you've ever seen, uh, there's a movie back in the day that uh, Adam Sandler had, and he had a guy called Crazy Eyes. And this guy had an eye kind of shooting this way and that way. And what we can't have is spiritual crazy eyes. We can't have one eye on God's word and one eye on the world's. We can't live our life uh, double-minded. We can't be a Christian on Sunday and then come Monday, we're looking at what we can go and do that we know doesn't align with the word. We need to be focused. It says, uh, uh, do not let it depart from your eyes. If we're going to grow, we've got to have the ear gate and the eye gate focused attention through humility while being teachable. Did you get that? When we put all this together, that is what hearing is referred to. And what do we know about the scripture when it refers to hearing? It says this in Romans 10. So then faith comes by hearing. Now we know what hearing is. And hearing by the word of God. We've come full circle to where wisdom comes from. Now let me also cross-reference the word of God with 1 John the Word was God. It was with God. The Word, what became flesh. So the Word of God became flesh. Jesus became flesh. If we're going to glean wisdom, we glean it from Jesus. Are you getting this? So when I'm saying I want God's wisdom, I'm looking into His Word and I'm looking at what Jesus did. When we begin to do this, when we get God's wisdom from our head to our hearts, transformation begins. When we apply God's wisdom that we read from King Solomon, we see God secure our steps and our future. Look what it says in Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your hearts and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. For a moment, I just want to talk. Young people, all of you going to Summerfest, even those that aren't going to Summerfest, but you're, you're here, I want to tell you, this week you're going to have to decide. You're going to have to decide whether you are going to submit your ways and acknowledge him over the ways of this world. You are in the middle of the culture battle. The Bible says that we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities and darkness. What does that mean? It means the warfare that we are having nowadays, although we might see it somewhere around the world where it's an actual battle, what we're seeing is a spiritual battle that's taking place. 
in the spirit realm where we can't physically see, but we feel all around us. God wants you. He wants you to be in relationship with him. He wants you to experience the grace and liberty that comes from Jesus. But you're in the middle of a rock and a hard place. And I know even the adults understand this. But you're going to have to make a decision whether you're going to submit your ways to the Lord so that he can make your path straight. That's what wisdom does. Did you all receive the scriptures today? You received the word today? We hope you have enjoyed this teaching from Metro Church.